Hi, welcome to The Catch-Up with me, Amanda. And me, Christina. Each episode will cover a topic that has picked our interest. It could be anything from food or beauty. To TV shows and current affairs. Join us as we begin our catch-up. Hey, Chrissy. So, I heard that you watched something on TV recently, which I also watched, and I think we both found really interesting. And it was a documentary on someone who I would like to hazard to say was really influential on both of us when we were growing up. Um, Now, this person has sold over 100 million records worldwide, including over 70 million just in the United States alone. So they are basically one of the world's best-selling music artists, needless to say. Um, And in the time when we were growing up, and this might give away our age, but in the 2000s decade, uh, they were rated as the eighth biggest artist by the Billboard. So it's pretty amazing. Uh, now, if people haven't figured out, we're talking about Britney, Britney Spears. Spears. We love her. So, yeah, I wanted to ask you, Chrissy, what would you have said were your top three or five or ten, whatever you like, Britney songs? Oh, my goodness. There's so many to go through, isn't there? I think I would have to say baby one more time her first single her first song that really put her on the scene and is so iconic even to this date it was released in 1998 oh my god (laughs) and I remember at the time going oh how refreshing like she was wearing like school uniform and then you know jumping out of the classroom and then somehow ended on a basketball court and all her moves were so fresh the dance moves and I remember like waking up on a Saturday morning watching Music Countdown and thinking, wow, that's really different. What about you? I want to be like her and wear a school uniform. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. That is one of my top three. The other ones, actually, it's kind of like all from her first albums that I really kind of like those songs. Uh, another one was Toxic. Um, I just, I love, I just don't know, the, the tune, the beat was really awesome. And the one thing I really like, apart from obviously her songs and her lyrics, are her video clips. I think they're just great. Like they're really well choreographed. She's got so much going on in them. Kind of like it reminds them like Michael Jackson, you know, like when they just sort of go above and beyond just sort of doing a bit of dance moves on the, on the video, but they actually sort of set a whole scene and story. And, yeah, so Toxic was another one. What about you? I really like some of her ballads, so I don't know if you know the song Every Time. It was in her third album, Yep, In The Zone. It's just so powerful. Like, yeah, you talk about her dance moves and so forth, but she's got such a good voice. She doesn't need all that jazz sometimes, and it really comes through really nicely as well. And You Drive Me Crazy, also from her first album. I don't know if you remember it. You Drive Me Crazy. Yeah, yeah, remember all those ones. Um, Obviously... Oops, I did it again. Oh, that was on my list as well. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> Classic. That's a good one. Love it. But I agree with you on the ballads. She's got a really good voice. It's like really suited for those sort of really pop sort of dance songs. And then at the same time, she can turn it right back and, and do the ballad ones. And actually one of the ones that I liked was Sometimes, uh, which is from her album Baby One More Time as well. You know, the Sometimes I Run sometimes yeah <laughs> sometimes I hide <laughs> and oh I really want see we share a lot <laughs> you know how you talked about toxic 
But I think back to her music video for Toxic, it is so different to, let's say, sometimes where she is that American girl next door, very sweet looking. And then Toxic's video, the music video was quite provocative at the time. It was so different or deviated from her initial very sweet schoolgirl image. And I think that really left an imprint on a lot of people's mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, because, you know, just listening to her songs again recently, because they never tie, like you can always just put Britney on and you just love whatever she's going to um, basically sing. I really feel like that through her albums, you could tell that she was really growing. And I mean, she was because when she started, she was what, no more than sort of 16, 17, really young. And, you know, you feel like you're going on that journey with her and her songs. I think that's why it really reaches out to us because it's so believable what she sings about. Like you can really feel that she is behind that's kind of saying things like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, whoops, I did it one more time. Then you're like, actually, I'm becoming a woman now. Um, I'm experiencing relationships and heartbreak and all yeah. that. So, yeah, I think you're right. That's why she's really sort of influenced us. Yeah. And on that point, her song Circus from her album Circus, which oh, yeah. um, was released in 2007 after a lot of her difficulties in life, which I know we're going to come on to in a moment. And I thought, wow, that even that title itself just summed up that moment in her life, that moment in time for her. I agree, absolutely. We're, we're coming on to sort of what we were going to chat about today as well around the documentary Framing Britney Spears. You know, that was quite a watch. There was a lot of things in there that made me think a lot on it and sort of things that made me cringe or made me feel sad. Um, you know, for you, when you were watching it, what were some of the points that were raised or that were brought up that really kind of made you, you know, want to say something? First of all, I found it quite a difficult watch because it was sort of chronologically presented. And when you see it as a timeline like that, I hadn't appreciated the pressure she was on or how the world viewed her or how popular or famous she was at that time you kind of always thought oh well, she was always there but seeing it presented like that there were yeah like you say there were moments that was really cringeworthy I think the whole how women are viewed in media really struck a chord I know we're talking about at a time like in 90s or early 2000s that level of sexism like why was she asked so many questions that you know a male celebrity wouldn't be asked so for example like when she was 10 she entered this singing contest and she got asked by the host at the time do you have a boyfriend how is that relevant and then later on she got asked like are you a virgin when she was um I don't know if this was before or during she was dating Justin Timberlake and I just thought how is that even relevant to the music she puts out to her performance that she gives how is that even anyone um, businesses? And also the whole double standard. Why was she targeted so much when she broke up from Justin Timberlake and he just got away with it? He is able to portray his side of the story, but she can't control her narrative. You make me so angry in some view. What about you? I mean, I'm, I'm nodding vigorously here in agreement with you. Those were exactly the same things that I was going to mention to you in terms of how is it relevant, how is it even appropriate? I mean, a 10-year-old, do you have a boyfriend, seems innocuous enough. But then the host then following up with saying, well, then how about me? And nowadays you'd be like, that's crossing a line there because you've got this old guy asking a 10-year-old, a minor, 
or how about me as your boyfriend? He may have said it in jest or in joke, but actually you'd be thinking that's a bit predatory. If I had my 10-year-old daughter, I wouldn't feel comfortable with an old guy kind of saying, got a boyfriend? Well, how about me? Um, so yeah, as I said, it's apart from the relevance, it's just the inappropriateness of it all. And then, you know, being asked about her breasts. Oh, yes. So everyone, so Brittany, everyone's talking about your breasts. And it's just like, come on. You know, she's here to talk about her music, her career, her profession, not about her body and let alone her breasts. So, you know, as you said, it was those were really cringeworthy for me, you know, including, as you said, about the virgin question as well. Um, and then the, the Justin Timberlake scene, as you said, she was sort of demonised um, and the blame was just put almost solely on her and he was elevated to this position of oh, he's completely innocent, he's free from any responsibility and yet when they did ask him about their relationship and more so alluding to the did they have sex basically because, you know, her being a virgin or, and he was just like flippantly going, <laughs> yeah, I did it. I mean, that's something that's meant to be private and intimate to them. So where was the respect in that? That's just terrible, I thought. Yep, I agree. That was so disrespectful. And just another point on that. I mean, no one are saints, of course, but Justin Timberlake also recently had allegations against him with another female co-stars. And he seems to get away with it. Why are these standards still perpetuating in 2020 or even 2021? I thought we had moved on a little bit, especially after the whole Me Too movement or that watershed moments about how women are in powerless situation in the media. And I think that was, again, demonstrated, um, as you said, sort of that, uh, that gender disparity when, um, I don't know if you recall in the documentary, when she was on stage and they were rehearsing, I think, for one of her shows. And she basically, you know, just spoke out to say, oh, you know, uh, no, I, w- I want to have the set this way or I want to do the dance move this way, you know, whatever the specific was, the detail. And then, you know, they turned around and basically called her a diva. And, again, I was just gobsmacked because I thought, sorry, hold on a minute. So she's been called a diva, why? Because she's a female who's asserting herself, who's taking charge, making a decision about what she wants for her show why can't she be in control? Why is it that all of a sudden when she knows what she wants, oh, well, then she's a diva because she's making demands. It just, it blows my mind, that sort of thing. And I think you're right, it's sort of still perpetuated now, isn't it? I think we, you know, there are still definitely times when we do experience that sort of thing now. Exactly. And it's not just women who are in her position, like women in workplace or like women who run for presidential campaign. They're just not used to seeing women who want some control or have the confidence to say what she wants and it is quite upsetting to see another thing that really got to me is how she got handed by the paparazzi because a photo of her sells for a million dollars to the point that she broke down in front of them and all that attention she got or the way she was being treated reminded me a little bit of princess diana i don't know if you felt that way yeah. but it's just that constant I can't get away from this. Every second it's being scrutinized or captured by cameras. It must be so exhausting. No wonder she broke down. No wonder she acted out. No wonder she wanted to get away from it all. And then they had the interview with the paparazzi who captured some of those moments where Britney Spears broke down. And he didn't think there was anything wrong with it. 
what was wrong with him? He was the one that captured the photo that agitated her to that point of action, then sold the photos, got money out of that, and still didn't think there was anything wrong with his behaviour. There is a lot of wrong in that kind of mentality. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. It was just, it was really sad to watch, actually. You know, I really sympathise with her because it's not like, okay, you and I, we're not, we're not pop stars. You know, we don't have that level of scrutiny. You know, we don't have um, our whole life being surrounded by strangers with cameras in our faces. But we certainly know what it feels like to have, uh, you know, mental and physical strain on us, you know, from our daily lives, you know, whether it be work, relationships, friendships. And so kept thinking, you know, we've all got a threshold, don't we? So as you said, it's no surprise and it's no fault on her part that she did snap because at some point people will do will snap at something. Yeah. And if people put so much pressure on us and make us feel bad about things like, for instance, um, do you remember when they showed the photo of her in the car with her baby on her lap? You know, obviously... Okay, no, I mean, that's not necessarily a sensible thing to drive with a baby on your lap. But, you know, when they were asking her about it, you know, she was trying to explain herself. But I sort of felt like they'd already made a judgment call on her, regardless of what she had to say. And they just labelled her, well, she's a bad mother, you know, from that one action alone. That's it. And I think this is relating to a prior incident before she became a mother, how she got interviewed by Diane Sawyer or Sayer. And was just like a lot of American mothers are disappointed in behavior. Oh, come on. You can't use her as a parenting. Do some parenting yourself. Like you're able to tell your kids what is appropriate behavior, what isn't, and why do you have to hinge all that onto a single person? She broke down in that interview. I don't think it's right to attack someone for your own inability Mm. to parent your child, for example, or set some standards. Also, don't forget, she was also growing up. She was trying to have wild days, bad days, good days, learning who she is, being confident in her own skin. Mm. But she just had to grow up in front of everyone. And we haven't really given her the room to grow. And I feel so bad looking at it because back then I just accepted those as facts as well because we don't have social media back then. We don't have a different narrative we had to go with the narrative we would see on magazine covers in tabloids and so forth it just makes me so sad that maybe I once bought into that narrative we are pretty much the same age as Brittany right so it's kind of like we're we're, you know we were children ourselves growing up with her essentially and you know as you say that's why they're called pop idols because you kind of do you kind of idolize and you look at them you're like wow that's amazing and it really does have that whole sort of halo around it where you think I want to be just like them but actually when you see something like this documentary you you realize you see all the sort of the negative side of it Um, and you know the fact is that actually when I go through the motions of my lowest points or my down days actually I really appreciate the fact that I do have the privacy to to go through that without the whole world watching and I think it did sum it up which was a quote from the documentary where they said too much money to be made off her suffering and and that's exactly what they did you know as you said you know one picture was worth a million dollars so it doesn't matter for the fact that she's suffering or she's going through the worst time in her life as long as that person goes oh I get that picture and I get my money 
well, I can't give that up, can I? So, you know, we're now starting to choose those materialistic things over actual people's human um, well-being and rights. Yeah, and it makes me think, who are we doing this to right now? Who are we piling up against? Who are we most interested in? Who are we turning negative um, towards? Who is being sold a negative story in front of the media? And it also made me think back to also at the time in the 90s, how Monica Lewinsky and the scandal with uh, President Bill Clinton We were really young at the time when it all happened, but how she got piled on by abusers online. She she calls herself patient zero for online abuse because she didn't know how to control her narrative. She didn't have a chance. Everyone already determined she must be the slutty one. She must be the one at fault. And it just makes me so sad to think back, wow, we've been doing this for a very, very long time and nothing has changed and still continues to go on. And another point you touched on about we all have bad days and we all struggle with mental health. She obviously did, Brittany, but where were her parents in all of this? Where were her support network in all of this? They talked a lot about her financial value, the conservatorship that her father has put in place to control her finances. But where were they at the time to help her through these difficult times? And where are the plans? Are there plans in place to help her get better? I don't know if it's the gap from the documentary. It just made me realize, wow, they were quite absent at that point in time. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, it did, it did seem that way, didn't it? As you said, whether or not way, maybe that's the way the documentary was sort of framed. But, I mean, the conservatorship itself, obviously that was sort of one of the, the foci of the actual documentary was, you know, is she you know, at sufficient capacity that she can take back some of the control of that? Or, you know, is it that, no, no, she still, you know, can't make sound decisions, um, she can't rationalise things, um, it's not in her best interest for her to control her assets again. But I think one of the things that was mentioned was basically that she wasn't looking to 100% take it back from her father. If anything, she was just trying to say, I don't want him to have that sole control over it. I want a co-conservator, um, in which case, you know, she wanted a, a corporate bank, essentially, uh, to, to be appointed to help serve in that role, which, you know, to me, I think that sounds sensible. you kind of spreading the risk, aren't you? But at the same time, it did seem, and I think this is where I want to get your opinion on it as well, was they've made a statement that said that because her increased well-being and her capacity to be more engaged in furthering her career activities, they wanted then to move the conservatorship to a hybrid business model. So on one hand, they're saying, oh, well, she's doing really well, actually. So now we can kind of push it more and make more money out of it. Oh, but then on the other hand, it was like, but no, she's not well enough to actually uh, take control on her on her own assets. It just seemed a bit you know, disconnected there. I thought, the hell, how is that possible? You know, so what do you think about that? Exactly. How, how is that possible to say we want her to be well, but she's not well enough? Also, do you remember the lawyer that talked about conservatorship, how she never seen anyone who comes under the conservatorship actually get out of it? Because it's so hard to prove. It's like pleading insanity, then it's so hard to prove you're sane again. She did a follow-up interview with CBS where she's now representing Britney's dad and she talked about 
oh, how he wants her to be well, how, you know, the family really gets on. She came over with the kids and they played in the backyard. She's nearly 40. Come on. Give her a say in her finances. Meanwhile, all these legal cases going on, she's paying for everyone. So it's okay as well. <laughs> the irony just writes itself. Yeah, and, and saying, oh, no, never seen seen a conservative actually win but I'm going to go represent your father now <laughs> it, it was one of those laughable moments you said okay okay what was one of Britney's songs would you say sums up how you feel about the documentary oh piece of me from her blackout album basically she's putting two fingers up to the paparazzi how you're following me every day or I can do <laughs> be the most perfect Britney Spears and you still write crazy headlines about me she can be perfect and still get bed press. That was the song that came to mind. How about you? Um, I took, I think because for me watching the documentary, the overwhelming emotion I had was actually, and we used, said it a few times, is sadness. And it's kind of, a, I think her song, you know, Lucky, uh, which doesn't actually have that many lyrics to it, but it kind of just sums it up because Lucky is this girl who's put in front of the paparazzi and, you know, she looks like she's got a great lifestyle but in reality, she cries behind closed doors every night. Uh, I, I feel like that's kind of how the documentary came across to me is that you could really see that everything became so intense for her that she sort of eventually fell away from grace as as it was portrayed by the media anyway. You know, she, as they say, oh, she went crazy, she lost it all. But you could just see from her body language and from her face that you could just see the despair, you know, and the fact that she just looked defeated and she was just tired, yeah. really. No, that's a good shout. I also thought about I'm a slave for you. She's a slave to <laughs> yeah. the whole media process. Or oh, she's working really hard, um, but it gets nowhere because she's sort of tied down to the routine of pushing albums, singing songs, or being chased around, like you were saying. What about the future for Britney? What song comes to mind? Let's. I'd like to think there's a nice, bright positive future for her definitely I mean she's reached some of her lowest points so hopefully it can only go up from here so I was thinking probably sort of a mix of two um you know stronger oh my god sums it up as in its title I'm guessing you thought that one too yes because yeah. that's exactly what I thought stronger than yesterday right stronger person Exactly. And that the loneliness won't define her anymore. You know, she's reaching up for the stars now. And then the other one I thought was, um, you know, overprotected. So in the song, she says she needs to be allowed to make mistakes and grow. And that essentially she was sick of people telling her what to do, you know. So I, I feel like it's going to be those two things together. As she becomes a stronger person, she stands on her own two feet. She can also tell people, you know what, I don't always have to listen to how you tell me I should live my life. No, that's great. I mean, as I said earlier, she's like 40 this year. This has been going on for 13 years. We can only hope for brighter days for Britney Spears ahead. And also, you know, if we want a bit of fun and joy, I really enjoyed watching her carpool karaoke with James Corden. I watched it a couple of years ago when it was released oh. and I watched it again after the documentary and it gave me a completely new insight because the first time I saw it I kind of thought oh well Britney's a bit restrained she didn't seem like she was enjoying herself it felt a little bit awkward 
but actually uh, with the hindsight of doc- documentary it must have been quite difficult for her to think back to those songs and singing it in the moment so I really hope better days for her it was really good entertainment to watch it and I do hope like you say brighter future I'll have to tune into that uh, carpool karaoke but yeah I, absolutely I echo your sentiment Chrissy. It, it's a case of I think you know, not just you and me, I'm sure, but lots of people around the world who have grown up with her and, and you know, loved her songs and what she's done for us to, to help, you know, influence us, kind of think, you know, we can be that strong woman as well. Definitely hope the best for her and that, you know, she takes takes care and surrounds herself uh, with the right people who will support her and, and elevate her and just bring a lot of joy and happiness to her life. Yep. I hope she can be comfortable, confident, and stand her own feet and release great music that really represent how she feels at the time. We love you, Brittany. (laughs) If you have been affected by anything mentioned in this podcast, or if you require any mental health support, we have provided links to some organisations in our podcast notes and social media. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, The Catch-Up, to get the latest episodes. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at catchup_pod. underscore pod.